So the big prediction that we've been hearing for years is one of these big supplier uh, folks, they're going to start going direct because they, they mm -hmm. don't they don't need. Mm -hmm. My bold yeah, prediction is that 100% will not happen. Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to episode number 191 of Unscripted. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie. With me, as always, the president of Pattern Pajamas and PK Polos. <laughs> I like that one. The one and only Dr. Kirby Hossman. Kirby... How the hell are you? I'm doing well, man. I, you know, it's one of those where February is often a challenging month for me, and I'm, I'm in a pretty good headspace, so I'm doing well. How are you, bud? You're in a good headspace because you're about to leave to go to Mexico. So. <laughs> that helps. Yeah, no, I'm doing very well. Um, it's been a, a good month so far. Generally, like I said, February is a tough month, but uh, good things are happening. And speaking of good things, Kirby, what's that, Bill? What's that, well, Bill? Thank you. <laughs> Good things are happening over at our friends at Comiskey, with our friends at Comiskey. You know, we love them. It's it's a great platform. It's designed for distributors by distributors. And it means they really understand our industry, what it takes to succeed, and the challenges the modern distributor faces. So one of the great things about Comiskey, and I know you really use this part of the platform, Kirby, is you get to work with connected suppliers. You can mm -hmm. access Comiskey's vast network of suppliers and involve them at the ideation stage, which right. is phenomenal. And because they integrate with promo standards, it allows distributors like you uh, to work seamlessly with suppliers on Comiskey because they give you access to live inventory, order status updates, shipping notifications, and electronic P POs. Yeah, it's, it, it really is. I mean, the whole idea of the collaborate space where you're working with suppliers to help you, you know, come up with better solutions for your clients is amazing. Yeah. And I will tell you that the other thing I think, and you and I talk about this sometimes, is they're constantly upgrading and yeah. like with the promo standards piece, like each as each supplier comes in and says, hey, we're going to accept POs um, a different way and a more efficient way. It, it gets integrated immediately. And it, man, it is amazing how they continue to improve. Well, and, and it's even what's great about it, it, you can eliminate the double entry because Comiskey integrates with so many accounting platforms as this, exactly. so you don't have to add more invoices to manually do that in a separate system. So it's really great. So, you know, Comiskey is going to keep your team connected at all stages of the workflow. And if you'd like to learn more, and gosh darn it, why wouldn't you? Head over to Comiskey.com slash unscripted. You're not going to be sorry that you did. Now, Kirby... I want to thank you for having the courage to do this podcast before you go to the tropical non-island of Mexico. <laughs> do you have a topic you'd like to start us off with today, or do you want me to go? No, I'll go. Um, go. So, <clears throat> you know, one of the things we talk about is successful businesses, when everybody seems to be zigging, they zag, right? Mm -hmm. they, um, and, and one of the things that I see in our industry right now is everything that's old is new again. Um, mm -hmm. And I know this is something like, God, the fashion that I'm seeing coming back is so 80s. Mm -hmm. um, my daughters are wearing, plus what we're seeing in the industry. And um, so it caused me to consider, you know, that I, we've invested in the last year and a half into a production printer. So we do some print in-house mm -hmm. and it's making me consider bringing back the newsletter. Um, so doing something that not just the, the email newsletter, but actually mm -hmm. a physical piece, mm -hmm. but not, uh, and, and this is where I'm, I'm, I'm 
playing with it. And I, I really sort of wanted your take on it. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of content because, you know, of, we create a lot of content. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm wondering if we could repurpose that into a really thin sort of magazine style piece that mm -hmm. would reach the people who were not necessarily reaching through social yeah. media channels. Yeah. Um, and because we can print it in house, I think we can do it effectively. We've got graphic design in house. So we're a little different, but I wonder if now is the time that a really thoughtful non ad newsletter, mm -hmm. I actually need to come up with a better name for it. Um, the newsletter. Cause I think that's tired, yeah. but should I start a newsletter? Should I bring it back? What do you well, say? Well, far be it from me to tell you how to run your business. And I mean that. Um, yeah. However, let me tell you how to run your business. <laughs> um, no, I, here's like you said. It's it's zigging when other people zag. What's, everything is cyclical. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if everybody is doing one form of marketing, it gets very difficult to stand out. Let's talk about social. Mm -hmm. Everybody's doing social media marketing. And, and you have to have that. You, you don't. You don't. You can't not do that. Right. But because there's so much of it, it becomes increasingly difficult to stand out and rise above the cl the clatter, the noise, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, I, I think that's always a good idea. I think making sure that it's relevant yeah. to your audience, though, is, is the thing. And so something like a podcast may, may be relevant to your audience, but you can't deliver that in print. Right. Um, and so... I, I don't, are you thinking of doing it monthly, weekly, bi-weekly, semi-monthly? Yeah, no, I, I'm actually to start out, I, I want to do one, see how the response is. Um, and I know normally I'm one of those people that wants to plan it out, but I think monthly is too much for us to do, not necessarily for my clients, but just for us to produce. So my, if I were to answer, I'd say quarterly right now. Okay. Well, and the other thing I'd push back on with you is the, uh, you don't want to put ads in there. Why not? Um, okay. So let me be, let me be clear ads in there occasionally like so and again treating it like a magazine yep. so the vast majority majority of it to be um hopefully valuable content for the audience as oh, you pointed out and I then occasional agree. thing i think I, so many times with all the content that's created out there i yeah. think one of the mistakes i see people making is they're always selling and i don't no, want to do I, that i would think a 75 25 or 80 20 mix of of provide value and then ask for something in return yeah um Look, here's the thing. You've got the equipment to do it, so your cost to do it is much lower. Than is most. much lower than it would be if I wanted to do that. Right, so, right. I think that's a great idea. Why not? Yeah. Well, and again, it's not only the cost; it's also the quantity because mm -hmm. we can print it in house. Like, if we, you know, if we were doing this, I might want to outsource it. I'd be saying, okay, we need to print a thousand copies of it to make it cost effective. But our cost is going to be essentially the same if I print a hundred or a thousand. So the and one, so, the, yeah. The one thing I would counsel though is, is I think both of us sometimes, and, and, and you more than me, but fall into the trap of, I'm producing content, I got to get it out there. I'm producing content, got to get it out there. And I don't think sometimes we do the global we do the best job of kind of asking yourselves, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. What's the end game? Um, what is the real purpose of this? Yes, it's a give first economy. You talk about that a lot, and I agree with you. But at some point, that has to convert into something else. Yeah. It has to convert into sales, revenue, whatever you want to call it. So I would make sure you know why you're doing it. Right. If you think it's your, if if you're just doing it because you feel like people might be missing this because they're not on social or or they're deleting an email they get from me or whatever, 
I, I think you need to have, that's a soul searching question for you. Mm-hmm. Is that worth my time? Is Am I doing it for the right reason? Even though yeah. there's always an altruistic part of it. I know that's your first thought, but are you doing it for the right reason? How many calories are you going to burn and what are you getting in, and what are you getting back? Yeah, no, I think that's a super good question. I think the, the, in answer to your question, because I have thought about this a lot more than, you know, I've just popped it up to you. Um, but for me, this would be much more of a brand building piece. It's yeah. funny because I brought it up to my sales team thinking they wouldn't be into it. Mm-hmm. They're really into it. And they much more are like, hey, let's do a print special. <laughs> hey, let's yeah. do. And that's good because they're thinking of it in that way. For me, I'm looking at it as a piece that's a brand building piece. So we yeah. show up differently than every one of our competitors in that way. Well, I, I like I said, I, I would consider things, putting in their calls to action yeah. that you can track, you know, what, what you're doing. No, I like that. That's good okay. stuff. I think it's good. All right, Kirby. Bella Canvas, they're a great company. Yes. They launched FAM 2.0, which, 2.0, which is the second iteration of content for their online course, Fashion Apparel Masterclass. That's what FAM stands for. Fashion okay. Apparel Masterclass. And it includes video lessons on um, some relevant topics along with interactions and downloadable resources and selling tools for distributors. I think that's genius. I think the fact that they're actually investing f- resources into providing a class or education for distributors to help them sell apparel is genius. Yeah. Kirby, why don't other suppliers do this? Um, that's a great question. I think because if I were a supplier, my pushback would be, I, I think that Bella Canvas doing this is great. It becomes a tool. Uh, when you have great supplier reps, and I'm very blessed with supplier reps from the apparel mm-hmm. side of things, um, you know, Scott Lurkey, Carrie uh, Crusoe, um, Steve Harvey, they come in and do that for us to right. a degree. So I think that why wouldn't they do it is because they think, hopefully, that their reps are already doing it. And I like I, I joke about it, Carrie Crusoe. She's the reason I sell T-shirts differently than I did five years ago, right? Because she made me. Right. Like she came in and was like, "Okay, we're going to make sure that you have a good, better, best sample kit." And here's why. And here's what you say. She educated me. We spent and and gave samples to each of our sales team. We used to sell the 100% cotton T-shirts every day of the week. I almost never do now, and it's because of her. And yeah. so I would say that the reason that suppliers would push back and say, "Well, no, I don't need to do all this because my my sales team is doing this. Right. I, again, I no. now are they? I, said that's well, I think a, that's the thing. Your yeah. mileage may vary. And I think yeah, exactly. in today's society to have those opportunities online for people where they maybe don't have the opportunity like you do to meet with uh, so many um, uh, supplier reps and things like that, to have a, a concise, consolidated online mm-hmm. and course to help people understand how to sell fashion today as opposed to a year ago, two years yeah. ago. I think it's genius. I bet the, the actual cost of them to do that is pretty low. Yes, I And again, you. you talk about a differentiator. I think that's great, especially new people in the industry. I mean, there's no training in this industry. You learn by osmosis. So <laughs> yes, that's Having true. something like that, I think, is a pretty cool thing. I, um, I agree, by the way. I think it's super cool. So I don't mean yeah. to to, no, to no, piss on it, whatever. But I, I think that that's the reason. I actually agree with you. I think when you compare the cost of even creating something with high production value yeah. to having a full-time person, yeah. then you go, well, then the cost isn't bad at well, all. Well, again, I mean, you're only, the suppliers are only as good as the reps 
selling their product to distributors. Right. And then, and then they, in turn, are only as good as the distributors presenting that product to the end user. Mm. So it's it's an interesting thing. Anyway, wanted to talk about it. What, what do you got? Okay. So I saw this as a trending topic on LinkedIn a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to get your take on it. Um, does a regional accent cost you? So the, the sort of the idea was, is if you've got a regional accent, you're likely to earn a fifth less than your colleagues with relatively neutral accents, according to research uh, from the universities of Chicago and Munich. So uh, I, I thought this was fascinating, especially yeah. considering, you know, we have a very diverse uh, um, industry with, I think, diverse accents and all that sort of thing. I'm super curious to see what you think about this. I, I can't imagine like I think of uh, some of the like Tennessee Tim Hill, who has obviously a Southern accent, and I can't imagine him making less. I think that's endearing, but I'm curious to know what you think. Do you think this is really a thing? I do. Um, I think it's stupid, but I think it is a thing. Okay. Um, I think you've got look. Some people will hear that heavy New York accent and think immediately whether they and, and they may know, it might be the first time they meet someone they'll think they're aggressive they're going to be abrupt and short yeah. so unfortunately we are a culture um and i mean this globally for the most part yeah. we're a culture that's going to judge a book by its cover and so i know plenty of people when i lived up north they'd hear that super thick and syrupy in tennessee tim doesn't have that but no. that super thick and syrupy southern accent and they think they're slow they're stupid they're not very bright wow. so unfortunately yeah. i absolutely i don't like it yeah. but i think people do um have those preconceived notions yeah, you know that's, that's why it's, so yeah I, I absolutely think it's a thing how do you combat that hell i don't know i think it's just over time that stuff kind of goes away but yeah yeah, yeah no, I agree I with you. Showing thing. up, it's it, again, it's like anything else. I mean, your appearance uh, plays yep. into stuff. The um, you know the way you speak, all that sort mm -hmm. of thing. But I think the way to combat it is exactly right. It's showing up consistently um, on a regular basis. Or I, and I, again, I guess it's funny as I sit here and think about it. Tennessee Tim has so totally embraced it. It's literally mm -hmm. a, big, a piece of his name. So well, it's part like of his brand, right? Yeah, I mean, right. And so that would be the way to combat it too. I think that's the way to combat it. And I think, you know, if let's say you are a, a New Yorker and you're from Long Island and you feel like people are judging, prejudging you because of your accent, I think you have to work maybe just a little harder to be a little nicer. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever the negative stereotype is. Yeah. Um, I think, forget it, if you have a super syrupy th Southern accent, I think you have to work a little harder to. Um, uh, you know, maybe be uh, faster to respond. You know, they're not, yeah. you're not slow and things like that. So I, I do think it's a thing. I've always thought it's dumb, yeah. um, but it's, it is a thing. You know what like else it. is a thing, Kirby? What's that, Bill? Well, that'd be our good friends at Vault. Very good thing. You want to know why? Because we why? all know that they have that awesome online badge release program, allows their clients, your clients, to release their own product one or two at a time as needed. Got some right there for the video watchers. But did you know, Kirby, and I know you do, I did do. you know that Vault also has a full line of promotional coasters as well? Yep, he's got some right there. I've got some. I actually was at uh, Josh's house over the weekend, and I <laughs> kind of forgot them. Uh, so he needs to send them to me. Um, 
But they're not generic court co coasters. They're farmhouse-inspired coasters, as Kirby keeps showing those. <laughs> uh, they have leatherette coasters in black, gray, brown, maroon, pink, teal, light brown, or tan. They're all printed full color. They have an awesome absorbent style. Uh, and they have that real wood coaster, which you showed, and it's directly from a lumber company right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, and they're produced and imprinted right here. So, And if you want to personalize them, you can see what Kirby was showing you. You can personalize them with individual names or any variable data. It's not a problem. And even though these coasters are farmhouse-inspired, they can help make sure you don't look like you were raised in a barn, right? <laughs> I let's, love it. Cl let's class it up with some coasters and stop allowing drinks to leave those dumb ring tattoos on your desks and tables. <laughs> so you need to go to wereyouraisedinabarn.com. <laughs> you I love that. I know. And you grab yourself some free self-promo coasters uh, firsthand and get an EQP coupon on that first order. So were you raised in a barn.com for all of the details? I, I tell you what, one of the things I love about Josh is he is all about the surprise and delight. So when I got the yep. package the other day and it had this on the top, it, it yeah. did make me smile. So that's awesome. Yeah, I've got, like I said, I've got some at his house. i got to pick them up. <laughs> cool. All right, Kirby. One of my favorite quotes of Paul Bellantone, who... Uh, does such a wonderful job running PPAI, Promotional Products Association International. He has a saying that he's been, and I, he knows he lifted it from somewhere. So it's not sure. mine. It's borrowed, 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 but it's perfect. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm, this is really a curveball I'm throwing at you today. So get okay. your thinking Kirby hat on. I'll try. He says the pace of change will never be slower than it is today, which yes. he's absolutely right. You've heard him say that. So I thought, let's do some big predictions for the next five years in the industry. Big, bold predictions. So I'm going to start because you're going to need to think on these. Okay. Um, I've only got a couple. We can talk about it. I do think um, consolidation will slow. We've seen so much consolidation on both supplier and distributor side. But I think it's going to slow because there's just not going to be a lot more people to buy. Yeah, I, I agree with I mean, that. I mean, you know, you've, you've got some bigger, bigger companies out there now. I do think um, the industry will, in a very positive way, continue to skew younger. Millennials accept promotional products better than Gen X ever did. And then Gen Z, same way. They embrace and see the value in promotional marketing. So I think you're going to see, for years, we've always talked about, man, we don't have young people in our industry. And what I love is seeing all the great young people in our industry with great new, fresh ideas. So... I think we're going to skew younger. And then the last one, before I get to my really stupid, bold one, I think margins are going to continue to shrink, shrink on the distributor side, but there's still going to be money for those that add value. So mm -hmm. basically, yes. uh, it's another way of me saying the old school trunk slammers who would throw a catalog on a desk and say, I can get you whatever you want, uh, your logo on whatever you want in this, in this uh, catalog. Those, those dinosaurs are going to finally die. And I really think you're going to see, you know, the boutique agencies that add, do more than just promotional products. I think you're going to see them really, really flourish. So those are some predictions I have over the next few years. What about you? Okay, so a couple things. I actually, I've been saying this for, uh, gosh, a couple years. You and I, I, I remember saying it in a salt and pepper debate live in Vegas okay. a couple years ago. And I think what we're doing is seeing it happen now, and I think it is going to evolve. And I, what I've said is I believe that people are going to go down one of two paths um, in the on the distributor side. They are either going to uh, 
compete on price. So either online or the bigger folks who have all the best pricing, they are going to go all in on price. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, you know, the problem with the race to the bottom is you might win. Um, or you are going to, you talked about boutique styles or ad agency styles or whatever. I think you're going to, to go in those directions and the ones in the middle, the ones who are kind of trying to do both are going to get squashed just like great. Um, uh, younger's good, by the way, I wanted to just, I don't have any, uh, disagreement with that, but I think one of the reasons that's happened is because we've tried as an industry. I almost think for a while we were almost anti-young. We bitched and moaned about the young, the millennials, this and that. I think that's shifted and we've started to appreciate their perspective. And I think that's good. Um, so here's my boldest prediction, I guess, is yep. that because there's been so much consolidation, I actually think we're, we're ripe for um, a rebirth of the niche supplier. Um, mm-hmm. And that's right. not, you're not seeing a lot of people predict that. I think that the, the, now they may ultimately become bought down the road, but I think the vaults, the Origadio, I know they've been purchased, but th- that mm-hmm. style where we're going, okay, everybody else is doing this one thing. I'm going to go the other way. We're going to service the heck out of you. Just like I just said for the distributor yeah. model, I see that being a thing on the supplier side. I, so I those are mine. Very accurate. I'm going to throw one more. This is actual bold. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Halo will buy Geiger. Okay, that is bold. <laughs> and Sandmar will buy S and S. Wow, that's that's a big that's go. that's big. Okay, I've got one more. Yeah. So the big prediction that we've been hearing for years is one of these big supplier uh, folks. They're going to start going direct because they they mm-hmm. don't. They don't need mm-hmm. my bold yeah, prediction is that, that 100% will not happen. I see. I disagree. I see. I think it will happen, but I think it's just, it's just a matter of time. Someone will do it. Someone yeah, will do I, it. I think that the, and again, I'm talking about major. No, so I, I, be, I know you're PCNA. talking like a, a hit, a PCNA. PCNA. Uh, I say Rotor. no, absolutely not. So well, that's my and, prediction. And here's where I would disagree. Okay. Again, I always think of it from a business perspective. If I'm running a, a supplier, you know, and please forgive me, supplier representatives. Most of the supplier representatives are not salespeople, and that's not a criticism. They're well, that's not their job. No, that's, they're relationship their builders. Their yeah, job yeah. is to build relationships. Yeah, I agree. So basically, you have no control over your sales force. If if I'm running big district or big supplier X, I have no control whether you as my sales force, because Kirby, you're my sales force. Right. I have no control whether you either show my product or if you do, if you're telling the story in a compelling way. Sure. So you inherently have a very unreliable sales force, uh, which makes it very hard to to grow, uh, to partner. So I do think it'll happen. But it's it's I think it's gonna be longer than I thought. I would have thought it would have happened already. Yeah. But I think it's gonna happen because someone's gonna be like, We're not growing fast enough, it's cause we don't control our sales force. I want my own sales force. Yeah, and I, I I you and I've had this discussion. I think my pushback to that is that most of them will will take the devil they know versus the devil they don't know because yep. there's a huge trade off of loss of business that's gonna yep. come with that. And I think most CEOs will say, you know what? No. Okay. That, that, that's so that's what the reason I say mine. Good stuff. All right. Cool. Uh, anybody has bold predictions? Throw them in the comments. We'd love to hear them. Absolutely. Kirby, you got a quick one? Yes, a real quick one. So um, I don't know if you've heard about this, but the Houston Astros, it turns out, must have uh, cheated during uh, their 2018 um, World Series win. Um, 17, I think. But yes. Okay. I, I believe you. Um, 
so what was interesting to me is LeBron James re- recently uh, came out and mm-hmm. tweeted about it and said that it needed to be fixed. And LeBron can be a, a polarizing figure for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. But it is fascinating to me how many athletes are actually coming out and, and commenting on the punishment. Right. My intriguing thing about this is the way to bring it up is, is I've heard so many people saying, LeBron, shut up and stick to what you do yeah. Yeah. versus what, you know, commenting on this. Yeah. That is the most ironic <laughs> comment in the world to me that a uh, salesperson, let's just say in our promotional products world, would say, LeBron, you're not allowed to have an an opinion about baseball, but yeah. I, as a salesperson, <laughs> promotional, yeah. can, should, and everyone should listen to me. Well, the, we, the irony is thick. We we all want our athletes <laughs> to not, you know, speak in generalities. You know, I just thank a good Lord that I'm here. We're just going to take one game at a time. Yeah. You know, the, and then the second somebody actually does have a personality and speak out, we're like, hey, hey, whoa, 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 dial yeah. that back. Yeah. Um, and see, I actually so, like it when they do. I, I do. I, I, I thought like LeBron it too. was thoughtful about it, and to be honest with you, I agree with him. So. Well, I yeah, I I happen to agree with him too. And the reason that so many athletes and people are speaking out is because the punishment didn't fit the crime. Yeah, it, you know, baseball is is and and I've heard, seen a couple people online, and and I've gotten into a couple arguments with people on this online, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, baseball had a tremendous opportunity to teach a valuable lesson. And look, I don't want to hear the argument, well, a whole bunch of teams have cheated. They just didn't get caught. That's bullshit. I don't care. They got caught. Yeah. And they got caught big time. And the fact that there are no players punished, although it was a player-driven system, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, the owner got fined $5 million, which is like fining me 27 cents. Um, and I know that's the maximum allowed under baseball, but the fact that they get to keep their World Series championship, that's what bothers me more than anything else. Mm-hmm. To me, you know, and baseball is a squirrely-ass sport as it is. They don't, <laughs> they don't have a World Series champion for 1994 because they had a player strike and a lockout. So there's precedent to not have a World Series champion. I don't think you crown the Dodgers as the champion. I do think you strip the title of them. Yeah. Uh, I think you strip the title of... of a World Series champions from the Astros, and there's just no World Series champion that year. Yeah. So the fact that you know baseball continues to not get it right, of course you're and you're talking about a competitive sport, so of course you're going to have people in other competitive similar situations say, "Hey, if I lost the NBA Finals, because I got to believe what LeBron's thinking, if yes. I lost the NBA Finals to let's say the Dallas Mavericks um, when I was playing for the Cavaliers, and they were found to cheat, but they got to keep their title, that would cheese me off too. Of course it would." And what's what's interesting, and again, not to get into total baseball talk, but yeah. the amount of comments from other players is yeah. unprecedented. Well, that's the thing. That's well, what tells you they got it wrong. That's what tells you they got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I see people, well, let's just move on. Let's just move on. No, you didn't get it right. And yeah. here's the thing. They could get it right anytime they want. Yeah. But they refuse All right, Kirby. Yep. It is time for you to reveal your promo person of the week. That one person who's grabbing our attention and making us take notice. Kirby, who is that this week? So let me set the stage. Uh, oh. you, you know my daughter, uh, Jade, does I a do. clothing drive I and do. has done it for the last couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. She did it while she was in high school. Well, mm-hmm. now she has gone on and she's gotten her uh, degree as an esthetician and she's, get, she's working. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had folks in the industry who supported this clothing drive. And this year, I really wanted to give a shout out. Yesterday, we unloaded... 
uh, a semi truck with four pallets of clothes wow. uh, that was don- that were donated by Andrea Debatis and her sort of company Flying Colors and mm-hmm. and all the folks that they're associated with. Um, really kind of forcing our hand to do the clothing drive again. I think we were really seriously considering doing it again, but when yeah. she reached out, it was the, and, and she didn't really tell us exactly what they were going to be sending. Yeah. It was unbelievably generous. Um, and it, it really, this is the kind of thing that affects a lot of people's well, lives sure. here in Coshocton. And um, it was, this is a, a f- such a feel good to me. We talk about wow. promo cares all the time and how yeah. it's affecting people. This was Andrea and her group, Andrea Debatis, uh, just kind of pushing the envelope and making it so that we can impact people here in our community. So my promo person of the week, without a doubt, Andrea Debatis. That's awesome. I don't know Andrea, but the fact that she uh, took it upon herself to bring clothes to you unsolicited um, speaks to the good work that you and your family have done. Um, it certainly speaks to her. So what a great, yeah. great, uh, you can actually give her a high five. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, there that's right. Go. All right. So now best thing ever. And I was thinking about this the other day as I was having breakfast in my house. Okay. And I, I wanted cereal. I haven't had cereal in a long time. And I okay. wanted your perspective, Kirby. Yes. The best breakfast cereal of all time is? Fruity Pebbles. No. <laughs> No, you know, growing up, uh, cereal was my go-to in the morning. And so I had everything from, um, you know, Fruit Loops to Frosted Flakes to all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And I, I, you know, going through high school, whatever it was, I was all in. And you know, I'm not like a big sweet eater. No. And that is sugar-centric for sure. But. I, that was like I would have multiple, multiple bowls of Fruity Pebbles each morning. I, I don't eat cereal today, yeah. but I could totally see myself digging on some uh, Fruity Pebbles if given the opportunity. So yeah, mine, and, is, mine is Fruity Pebbles. And that's a good choice. I, I don't eat cereal very often. About once a year, I'll, I'll like buy a box of Crunch Berries and have nice. a couple bowls and then that's realize good. about ten about an hour later when my the roof of my mouth is completely destroyed. Yeah. That's a bad idea. But my, my number one go-to. Cereal is still the greatness that is Count Chocula <laughs> because it's got the little chocolate, little mini marshmallows, and it's got the the whatever wheat color, whatever that crap's made out of. But it's all covered in sugar, and it makes it's like chocolate sugar. milk. So you get you get it's literally like three meals in one. You get the marshmallows, <laughs> you get the crispy stuff, and then you get chocolate milk. So I'm gonna go with Count Chocula. I like it. All right, cool. Awesome. Well, we'd be remiss if we didn't thank our good pals over at Common Skew. You know, they've got that great, uh, great platform built for distributors by distributors. Going to help you work with those connected suppliers and access and and involve them right from the get-go all the way through delivery of the product. And uh, it's a really tremendous platform. So from ideation to invoicing, Common Skew is going to keep your team connected at every stage of the workflow Learn more at comsku.com slash unscripted. Kirby's doing some social media up there. So with that, we are going to draw this podcast to a close at a very responsible 29 minutes and 49 seconds. Nice. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.